And I just laid down and took a quick little nap. And I was awakened by the feeling of somebody hugging me. And I rolled over and standing in front of me was my grandmother. And I was asleep, but I was aware I was asleep. So it was a lucid dream. And she didn't talk. She just looked at me with this knowing look. And then I heard the words, get to work. And it was so strong. And I felt it almost as though she was putting her arms on my shoulders and squeezing me like, get to work now. (laughs) This is Unconditioning, discovering the voice within with Whitney Ann Jenkins. Hello, and welcome to the 33rd episode of Unconditioning, Discovering the Voice Within, where I bring on guests and we talk about the inner authentic voice and the challenges and the rewards that come from following it. This week, I have with me Devin Dewar. Devin is a certified angel intuitive. She is a speaker and a writer, and she just recently released her new book, Book of Evidence, Proof Your Angels Are With You, a guide for intuitive living. Devin and I talk about her journey and her story from her experiences with angels, how she went from her business background in accounting to now being very passionate about helping others connect with their angels. I've personally had a one-on-one reading with Devin and found it to be incredibly accurate. So I was really excited to talk to her about her process and her past experiences that led her to this point. And I really think that you're going to enjoy hearing Devin's story and all the wisdom that she has to share. So here is Devin Dewar. How are you doing? I'm doing good, I'm doing good. It's been uh, interesting energy down here, but, uh, um, really good. I've been excited about it because I knew it would be an authentic, deep conversation. And those are my favorite things. (laughs) Good. Okay. So as you know, since you've listened to a couple of the episodes, I'd like to dig in a little deep to get started. So in, in order for you to get to do all of the amazing things that you are currently working on and the life that you're living, you had to start from somewhere. And so I really like to go back to the beginning of Devin and see what was the moment that you remember really identifying with your inner authentic voice. And you realized that it was purely you and it wasn't influenced by your environment or your family or anything else, but that was you. Do you have a moment in particular? I do have a moment in particular and it still had to grow a little as far as me honoring it, but it was the summer after my freshman year in high school, I had signed up to go on a missionary trip with a, an organization. And, um, we had been assigned mentors to develop our testimony in this particular Christian faith. We would, we were going to go to, uh, an island and share about our experiences with Jesus and our testimony. And I'd never done anything like that. I was raised in a Christian home, but it was a 
it was a loving non-forced way. I was allowed to experience Christianity Mm -hmm. in the way I wanted to. And I liked to go to my friends' houses and go to their churches. I liked to experience different faiths. And, and so even though I was raised Episcopalian, I was in this organization that was a Baptist background. I went to friends, Catholic churches, had all these different experiences, kind of <laughs> tried the different faiths <laughs> within there. Um, and this was through our school that we were doing this, this organization at our school that was organizing this missionary trip. And if I'm being completely honest, I was going because of the really cute boys that were also going on the trip. (laughs) I was excited about it, but it was also like older guys in high school were going. And so this is a tropical Island. Sounds fun to me. Um, but I, I did always, have what I felt like was my own connection with God. And so I was excited about that part as well. Um, but when we were sitting, having this, com- I, this mentor that I was sitting with, having this conversation with was asking me a series of questions to get, to pull this testimony out of me as to the moment I asked Jesus to come into my heart and knew that I was a Christian and being 13 years old, I wasn't really sure I could identify that I wasn't from that particular faith where it was this big moment. It was something that I kind of just did growing up, I felt like. And so I was trying really hard to answer her questions well, so that I could do a great job coming up with this testimony, even though it terrified me. And, um, she asked me, well, why do you think God put you here on this earth? And it was in that moment that I really felt this inner voice say, you know this, but I didn't know. I, I looked at her and I said, I haven't figured out what it is yet, but I know I'm here to do something. And the look on her face was not what I expected. Um, I would say she was looking at me like, who do you think you are? <laughs> I caught it. I caught the look. I think she tried to change it quickly. <laughs> like, okay, little girl, sure. But I definitely felt this energy of what makes you think you're so special. Mm, yeah. And in that um, moment, I felt this separation. I felt a separation from what we were doing as a group. And I began watching the way people interacted and felt like everyone was being conditioned to behave a certain way, respond a certain way, act a certain way in certain situations, use certain words and language. And it was sheep being, you know, told to stay together, stay in your spot. (laughs) And, um, it actually ended up when we went on the missionary trip, there were more experiences there where I just felt this pure separation from the group. I felt alone in the middle of a group of people because I didn't feel the same connection with the message that was being shared 
And I don't want to sound as though I'm being critical of that or criticizing anybody's belief systems, but it was that moment that I realized, wow, I really feel differently. I felt like as a kid, I was allowed to experience God in a way that was kind of me figuring it out on my own. I felt closest to God when I was with my animals, when Mm -hmm. I was outside Um, I never really had to question where God was. I, I kind of just knew how to find God. And I assumed everybody felt that way. I think it wasn't until I started dabbling in different faiths and learning from other people and talking to people that I realized that actually a lot of people do struggle with that feeling and knowing, and sometimes it's the vernacular or the way that we're taught to interact that is actually causing the separation. Right. It's the conditioning, which is yes. the whole theme of this podcast is which to I love. uncondition that. <laughs> so, so it sounds like this trip that you went on because there was a cute boy turned into something uh, really quite profound for you um, in identifying your authenticity within that. That's really cool. Yeah, and absolutely. And the boy, of course, didn't even notice me. I was still very much a wallflower at that stage. But I did have some big moments where I started to understand that there's a lot of ways to approach your inner voice and your spirituality and your connection. And when something that comes up that's that visceral, that much of a separation, it's something to be looked at. Yeah, absolutely. Not stuffed away. Mm-hmm. Not okay. Well, I don't know why I feel that way. It must just be me. Yeah. Um, so I feel like that was kind of the beginning of me trusting, you know, when I felt something was not right, or I felt something was very much right, you know, felt really good and safe and loving, that that would be my clue to either remove myself from the situation or, you know, yeah. Find different people to talk to. You found your compass in a way. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That was actually something my dad and I would talk about a lot growing up. He, he loved to lecture us to and from school <laughs> and he would tease that, you know, he would create ways to slip a lecture in anywhere he could. <laughs> and <laughs> we would talk about the, your moral compass a lot. And how do you, you know, how do you know when someone else you're interacting with has a moral compass and, or is in tune with theirs? Oh, wow. And um, so I like that terminology you're using as well there. Yeah. Let's see. So that's very sophisticated of you to be able to identify those feelings as a 13 year old also. Well, especially in that, um, like that time, there's so many changes, especially for like a young girl, like thinking about all of that combined with um, just like coming of age. So how did that affect you after this trip? How did you come back from that trip? And did you integrate that into your daily life? I think I decided that I would, I needed to be careful with who I talked to about my spirituality. Um, I had a really good friend that was very devoted to her faith and we would have a lot of deeper conversations about it. And I felt like she was good about educating me on her faith 
and I could listen without necessarily feeling in the wrong because I didn't know. So I, I was careful with who I talked to. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely, again, I think I retreated to my animals. I always did that. I grew up with horses and we had a, a place where we had our horses and an- lots of different animals. And, um, that was my sanctuary for sure to go out there and just kind of get away from a lot of the formality that comes with a lot of, um, religious organizations or just functions like that. And then my grandmother, she was an enormous mentor for me spiritually and, um, just watching her evolution. Um, and she would talk to me about it all the time and the way that she, you know, noticed the connection with animals and myself and how I, she could see that it was a spiritual thing for me. Um, and she would often use the phrase, what is dog spelled backwards and just Mm -hmm. drop those little comments here and there, just encouraging me to trust my connection with animals and trust my connection with God and trust that, you know, there's a lot more than what we might initially get from just sitting in a building, listening to somebody else talk about it, but it's the actual experience. And I think that's really, for me is I loved and knew what the feeling of experiencing God was. And I Mm -hmm. felt a lot of that came through being outdoors, being with animals, being by myself also, um, not necessarily in the loud crowded room, um, you know, doing whatever (laughs) everybody else was doing. (laughs) Yeah. You were able to intuitively know what you needed, um, at the moment in order to feel aligned with yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I did just kind of instinctively want to be alone with my animals when something felt off when I, you know, when I was feeling hurt or, um, like maybe the people I was with weren't in the highest integrity at the moment, you know, and I would feel (laughs) this need to retreat. Um, you know, I, I definitely wanted to go get back in alignment with my animals and being outside and feeling safe with that. Um, a lot of my, my more profound moments in, connecting with God and, and feeling divine messages from God came after I'd spent the morning cleaning horse stalls and turning out horses and, you know, just doing kind of like was mundane daily tasks of taking care of animals. But I just feel like that vibration, you know, the vibration of being around animals and being outside and just, you know, experiencing this physical reality, Mm -hmm. um, would, would help get me into an alignment where I could hear those messages later. Yeah, I feel like doing mundane tasks tasks like that um, also gives us the opportunity to turn a part of our brains off and allows us to access other parts that um, allowing those to come through. I completely agree. And I did not understand that when I was first really trying to deepen my meditation practice and really intentionally connect on another level, I would get really frustrated because I had two little kids And I would be putting laundry from the washer into the dryer going, I'm never going to have time to meditate now. (laughs) It's like this inner complaining. And one moment at one point I heard in a very, you know, distinct voice that sounded like my grandmother's voice, Italian grandmother. (laughs) Well, you're never going to have time because you don't make time. 
Mm. And all of a sudden I thought, well, how do I make time? And it, I started doing things more intentionally when I folded the laundry, feeling the, the clothing, when I was washing the dishes, feeling the temperature of the water, feeling the vibration of the water yeah. and trying to bring awareness into those tasks, um, at least help me feel a little bit better that I wasn't getting hours of meditation in like all these other teachers <laughs> claim to be doing. And I'm so behind on my meditation practice. That's one of the things that I, I've heard a lot of people say, and um, they chastise themselves because they don't do enough of it. Um, and right. I'm, I'm really into journaling. That's where I get a lot of my messages. And when I teach journaling, that's the biggest thing is people will get excited about it and they'll start doing it. And then life happens and they don't touch the journal for a couple of weeks. And every time they walk past it, they feel guilty. Yeah. And I'm like, well, that's not the intention. We definitely are not trying to attach guilt to this process at all. <laughs> if you're feeling bad when you walk past your journal, we got to shift this up a little bit and, and find a better way to approach it where you're not feeling bad. <laughs> right. Yeah. Speaking of, so journaling, um, I journaled a lot when I was a little girl, probably around 13. I was like, I couldn't stop writing. Did you have that tool for you at that age? You know, I was a little more resistant to it. I did creative writing and I love that, but I, I wanted it to be poetry. I wanted it to be, yeah. you know, pretty. And, yeah. you know, I, I didn't get as much into uh, the more automatic writing that I do now and just the, you know, deepened, uh, reflection. Um, but I did have influences around me. I think it's always amazing the way we attract certain people in our lives that stand out and they're, they're subtly encouraging you, whether they know it or not. And this was again, this friend that I was able to have these religious conversations with, she was a very, very much a, a creative writer, very talented writer. And so she would encourage me and it was kind of, it became a little bit of a competition to, you know, trade pieces. Um, but I did always approach my diary more as like dumping my feelings all over the page. Yeah. And so I didn't understand the value of reflecting and reviewing what I wrote because who really wants to reread that if you're, <laughs> if you're going through a breakup right. <laughs> or something and you're writing it all over the page and then going and reliving it, it, there's a lot of resistance to that. Um, and that's, it wasn't until I got older that I realized that you can journal and you can do reflection in a way that you won't mind reviewing it. Not that, not that that's a bad thing to do. I think it's really helpful, but I could kick myself so many times for when I would just toss out some of my writing because it was just me crying on the pages yeah. over something. Mm -hmm. And I wish I had those. Yeah. I really do wish I had those to go back and, and reread. I have some things, some diaries here and there that I, I kept, um, only be more because it was like, it was a gift that my mother gave me as a diary, or it was a gift from a grandmother. So that's the reason I kept it. But I had a lot of things that I wrote in that who knows what happened to them. <laughs> At some point they ended up in the recycling bin and, you know, hopefully aren't being posted somewhere <laughs> that I don't know about. Um, but yeah, yeah, just, you know, I wish I would have kept that. And I wish I knew, or I wish it was taught more 
in creative writing classes and stuff to go reread your personal journal and see how far you've come. Right. And, and now with technology coming in so like rapidly and that like tangible, like feeling of like having a pen to paper, I feel like that might be a lost art almost. I completely agree. That's something that I am very passionate about is the actual physical pen to paper is really what I feel like is giving your heart a voice. Yeah. Um, it's more of a connection there. And since we are here experiencing being a physical being, um, it would make sense that that would be a good channel for us to connect and um, allow our heart to really speak through us mm -hmm. in that way. And uh, I agree with you. I've, I, I know there's a lot of people who just feel like, you know, they want to use their technology. Um, I, I still will always say, even if that's something that feels easier for someone, you really are giving yourself your future self a gift when you journal, when you write down your experiences, when you take time for self-reflection, you are giving yourself a gift in the future. And that's why, you know, I now am very good about keeping everything organized and I can go back and reflect, but, oh, some of my college journals, if I could find those, <laughs> they were in, you know, your cheap 67 cents spirals. So I'm sure yeah. they ended up in a box somewhere and got <laughs> tossed, but you know, I, I, I do wish I had that. I wish that that was something I could go back and see, um, what I was reflecting on. And a lot of times it would be only in the toughest parts of my life when mm -hmm. I was going through a change that I would journal and that's another thing that I'm learning now is I'm so grateful when I take the time to write about the good things or yeah. even the mundane things, as you mentioned, you know, yeah. sometimes that's where I'll see the synchronicity in something mm -hmm. is I'll see the way I needed help with something. And I wrote about it. I mean, I needed help getting my errands run that day and still having time to get this work project worked yeah. on and all these other things. And somehow it happened because that morning I was journaling about it and how am I going to get all this done? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so I think that even though you don't have those things to look at now, the energy of them was transformed in a way because you were able to put the pen to paper and get that out of you and have it be released. Absolutely. I, it was so helpful to me. And, um, when I went through, um, a relationship change back in the early 2000s, I was encouraged by my dad to go ahead and, and see a counselor. And I'd never done that before. Um, and what I found, and she, she really encouraged me to journal as well. What I found is um, I was so much more pre prepared for our sessions if I took the time mm. to sit and write in between and so when I would sit down, I think we met once a month for about six months to a year. Um, when we would sit down for our little 50 minute session together, I could get right to the heart of <laughs> what I was struggling with because I had kind of spent all this time writing it all over the pages and I could zero in on the things that were really bothering me or I felt like I needed to work on. And, and she ended up being in her own way, a spiritual teacher for me, although she didn't refer to that at all in her practice. Um, she was one of the ones that taught me about when I would recall a memory that 
you know, I was really in a lot of pain over, for example, crying a lot over something that had hurt me. She was the one that talked about visualize yourself going and hugging your past self. Mm. And I actually did have an experience where I was heartbroken. I was out in the garden, heartbroken over something and, and sobbing. And I felt something hug me and I was behind, I'm sorry. I was by, by, I was by myself with my animals, Mm -hmm. of course, out in the garden. Um, but there was nobody else there. I just felt this energetic hug and I was able to catch my breath and calm down. And I've always wondered, you know, about that. Mm -hmm. Was that really me in the future? Um, soothing my past self. Um, and, and just that concept alone, Mm -hmm. right. And what we could do to heal ourselves was new to me. Um, and you know, I felt obviously she, I was guided to her to be my counselor for a reason for that. And we didn't spend a lot of time on it, but it certainly helped me a lot with decisions I made for myself going forward. And again, strengthening, listening to my inner voice, Mm -hmm. um, came from all that reflection. Yeah, opening another idea or way for things and information to come to you. I want to go back to this question that this person at this retreat asked you about your purpose in your life. Because that's a really big one. And I think it directly ties to our authenticity. And sometimes it's really not easy to come up with that answer. And it's more of like a feeling or a knowing. Um, So did you ever have that conversation with your grandmother? Because she seemed to be sort of a mentor to you. Um, I did. I did talk to her about the idea that I was being made to feel in that conversation that I really wasn't special, that I wasn't really put here to do something special, which I believe absolutely everybody is here to do something special. Everybody is special. And just knowing that that was wrong and I didn't like the way it made me feel, I would have those conversations with her and she always took a lighter approach to this stuff where it wasn't really pointing fingers. It was just an observation, but she would say, you know, isn't it great that we're all so different because wouldn't this world be a boring place if we were all the same. Mm. And that I felt like was her encouraging me to be different, to be okay with not fitting in or to be okay with people looking at me and going, yeah, I don't really know what she's talking about. That makes, you know, that doesn't really make sense to me. I want to stay away from that. I don't want to hear about it. It makes me uncomfortable. And for me to be okay with that, that's not, that's not somebody I'm supposed to have a conversation about this stuff mm-hmm. with. And so, yeah, she was, she would always really encourage me to follow the things that were, I was passionate about. Um, definitely with the animals. She was my big champion with my horseback riding growing up and came to my horse shows and, you know, encouraged me to always keep that as something special for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like that was another way that she was a mentor is um, teaching me that that's, that is its own form of self-care and self-love is to have these, these things you're passionate about that you make time for 
um, that you don't apologize for that. If, if you're in a relationship with someone and, and that becomes an issue that there's a conversation around that, that you're not just giving up something of yourself to be in the relationship. So I feel like she taught me things that could be used in so many situations, um, especially dealing with family relationships and just living your daily life Yeah, as well. Yeah. So how did, how did this question um, propel you forward in your life? Did you go on this journey to seek out the answer? Not until, I would say it was more of a inward journey until I was older. Um, in college, I didn't really know. I had always wanted to be a teacher growing up. I knew that I would play school at home and <laughs> yeah. make my sister be my student. And I had worksheets and everything. Yeah. It was like, that was my favorite thing to play. Yeah. We did that too. Like chalkboard. <laughs> <laughs> We had a great like book being a little tutor for her. Um, and, and I, and I, so I knew that I wanted to do that. Um, and, but I wasn't really sure my dad, uh, was a CPA and our family has just always been into business. And it was kind of like, well, but our family does business things. So you can be a teacher, but first get your business degree and then get certified mm. to teach. So I went to school, um, to get my accounting degree. And I didn't really want to, but it was the one that was easiest for me of the different <laughs> majors in business administration. And, um, I like numbers, so it, it was easy for me and I, I didn't mind doing it. Um, but I didn't really like the path it took me to because, um, it seemed like a lot of the jobs that were coming up for me for when I graduated, were going to be where I was kind of in the background behind the scenes, um, not really doing something that was showing who I was. Right. And I didn't have an idea around that. I didn't really feel like, oh, I need to show the world who I am. I didn't feel that way. I just felt like being in a back office doing ledger work was not something that I was excited about. And um, I, yeah. I knew from watching my dad do it, the different pathways. And I just, I was just doing it just to do it. Um, and then we had, um, some experiences at the college I was at where we had a lot of loss with some students. Um, that I went to Texas A&M university and we had several, um, tragedies in one semester, including when, uh, the, the whole nation saw about bonfire falling and oh. several students, yeah we're losing them. And, and it was a wake up call, of course, for, you know, anyone that age, a lot of people that age have, haven't lost anyone yet. Right. Um, and then I went and did my internship for accounting and saw how little people saw their families in the track I was in that I was doing the auditing track and they traveled a lot. And, um, I would, often notice just how they were talking to their spouses by phone most of the time because they weren't getting home till late at night or their kids, they were missing bedtime. And I always knew I wanted to be a mom too. Mm -hmm. I always knew I wanted to be a teacher and I always knew I wanted to be a mom. And those are the, really the two things I was the most clear about. Um, and I also knew I always wanted to work with animals, but I thought I wanted to be a veterinarian until I started shadowing them and realizing that was not for me. <laughs> at all. Um, but I, 
I was still just kind of doing what I was told with the major. And I did this internship and I really liked the people I worked with, but I, I saw the lifestyle as something I did not want at all. Yeah. I did not want to be stuck in a skyscraper and a little back office with no windows, you know, working these crazy hour <laughs> weeks. And, um, so then after my internship, my horse that I had grown up riding and who I always say was my best friend growing up, um, she suddenly got ill oh. and I lost her mm. and that was a wake up call for me as well, as far as realizing, well, that's my passion. What do I do now? I mean, that's yeah. where I would go for my retreat. And, um, so that was jarring. And then I, in, in um, June of 2001, I had a premonition dream about nine 11, which I didn't discover till about 10 years later that people all over the world had premonition dreams about 9-11. So obviously we as collective were being prepared for that and oh, whether yeah. we realize it or not. But what I specifically remember about the dream was the, the skyscraper and the people in the skyscraper and the plane hitting it. And all I thought was, I don't want to be in a skyscraper. I want to be with my animals and my family. And so I turned down after the internship, they gave me a job offer for when I graduated and I turned down the job offer. People thought, why did you go to all this trouble if you're not going to take this job offer? Um, and I graduated um, with my accounting degree with the intention of either getting my teaching certificate or um, getting, uh, I, I was actually thinking of going to school to, uh, some type of equestrian school. So I could be, uh, teach horseback riding and have yeah. my own barn or something. I, I, I knew I w wanted to be doing something I was more passionate about. Um, but I, I still hadn't figured it out. Mm -hmm. And so within, uh, the following fall when nine 11 happened, um, it kind of shook everything, you know, it shook everybody. Right. And it shook my family's approach with me. And, and I felt a lot of pressure to just, you know, just get a job for now and we'll figure out the rest later. So I took a job with a bank and, um, and was working at the bank when, um, I, it hit me that, you know, I was still right back in that path yeah. that yeah. I was trying to get out of when I turned down the job right. offer earlier. And so I, um, I started, talking to my dad about, you know, what if I tried going out on my own when I don't have a mortgage, I'm not married, I don't have children, you know, mm -hmm. what if we did this? And so he helped me formulate a plan and I went out on my own and started doing really basic stuff initially, just bookkeeping and tax returns and all yeah. that. But it kind of grew into consulting because I, I found that the passion there was the yeah. entrepreneurs. And that would get me really excited. So I did that and I did other types of things as well um, with family ventures and things like that. So I got to experience a lot of different things um, all using my accounting background. Um, and it wasn't until I'd been doing that for about 16 years. And that's when I had a dream with where my grandmother visited me with my dream that it was an activation. Basically it was, you need to get back on track with your purpose, right? Your authenticity. Yeah, exactly. And so that's when I felt like I really started actually doing the exploring to go full circle back to your original question. Yeah. That's when I started, you know, I started adding yoga to my daily workout routines. I started, 
doing a lot more meditating, a lot more journaling, um, automatic writing became my favorite pastime, um, just seeking more knowledge and more evidence for these experiences I'd had growing up that were, it was an inner knowing that there was something more, there were messages I was receiving, but wanting to put it into a framework. And this probably came from the accounting side of me. I wanted structure because I wanted to be able to go talk to somebody about my intuitive experiences and and spiritual experiences and then not look at me like I was crazy. (laughs) You know what? I don't think that's uncommon because I, I feel like especially me too, I didn't have someone in my life like showing me what all of these experiences meant. So I had to like search for the meaning myself and like try to make sense of them. So yeah. That's, that's what I'm finding too. I think when you have that opportunity to do it yourself, it's, it's a door that opens that never fully closes again (laughs) because you were there, you experienced it. So do you still journal a lot? You said you did a lot when you were younger. Um, (laughs) I know that I should, but I, there's part of me that resists it because I'm afraid of what's going to come out, I think. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what I hear. I know I should, I should do this. (laughs) Um, and I totally understand. I have days. I don't feel like journaling at all. Yeah. Um, I I find in like profound moments of transition, um, in my life that it happens automatically and naturally. Mm-hmm. So, and you feel the pull towards yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I want to get back to you and your initiation experience of, um, this experience that you were describing, um, with your grandmother. Yeah. So I was actually, again, outdoors. Uh, I, I also like gardening and I was getting my spring garden prepared and digging in the soil. I always think there's something with that as well. You know, you're grounding yourself, you're out there in that high vibrational energy. And I had actually, um, my husband and kids had gone to the store. I kind of had the day to myself and I decided I'm going to run in and take a quick power nap before I start planting my tomato plants and all this stuff. And so it was the middle of the day and I just laid down and took a quick little nap And I was awakened by the feeling of somebody hugging me and I rolled over and standing in front of me was my grandmother and I was asleep, but I was aware I was asleep. So it was a lucid dream and she didn't talk. She just looked at me with this knowing look. And then I heard the words get to work and it was so strong and I felt it almost as though she was putting her arms on my shoulders and squeezing me like get to work Mm. now. (laughs) And so it was very brief, but super vivid. I mean, I did wake up after that and feel like she was still standing there next to my nightstand. Um, and it was, you know, we all, all, I had a lot of dreams growing up and not everybody remembers their dreams, but a lot of people will say they had dreams when they were kids and then kind of stopped dreaming and stuff. I was fortunate that I've always paid attention to my dreams and, and been able to remember them, but you know, didn't always assign any meaning to them. And this was one of those dreams that's just really stayed with me. And it shook me to the point that it was all I could think about. And I went out, um, back out into the garden and it was just a hot spring day. I was getting everything ready 
And all I kept thinking was, what did she mean by get to work? What does that mean? What does that mean? And I was thinking about all our conversations. And one of the things that we shared is when we had both seen what we considered an angel um, at the end of our beds at different times. So I saw six of them when I was in college and she saw one like a few years earlier and I'd completely forgotten about it. She told me about it and I didn't put the seriousness behind it until it happened to me. And I felt like I couldn't talk to anybody about it, but my parents knew about it. And so they said, go talk to grandma. Mm -hmm. And so I, um, I went and talked to my grandmother about this experience. And that's when she started teaching me a lot more, um, about her experience that she had. And she had done a lot of research on other people having experiences like this near death experiences. So she really helped me have those conversations initially about what else is out there outside of what you would get in formal religion or in just a day-to-day conversation, the, the kind of the unseen that tends to maybe even scare some people. Yeah. I mean, this wasn't a scary experience for me at all. I just wanted to know what the heck it was. Right. And so she was, she had told, when we started talking about these experiences we had, she goes, well, you know, it was either an angel. It was either my guardian angel or it was my mother. And I said, okay, well, how do you, what makes you think that? And she said, well, we had a deal that when she died, she was going to come back and tell me she was okay. And that she was, everything was fine on the other side. And, um, we just had a deal and, um, and it was either her coming back or it was her sending a messenger, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but she said, I, I had the confirmation. I always felt I needed and um, that was our agreement. And I said, well, were you going to do that for me? And she said, you betcha. And oh. I felt like that was her doing that. And in this case, she came as herself. So I was, it was very obvious. It was her, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I think most people will admit to having experiences they can't really explain, but they know what it felt like, like we were saying earlier. Right. Yeah. And this was so vivid and real that, um, I just knew what it was. I just didn't know what she meant by get to work. So when I was out in the garden, um, I just kept thinking about all our different conversations and I kept hearing how she would always encourage me, you know, you have a way with animals, you have a, you know, a purpose that you're passionate about you, you know, we talked about the angels and she validated that experience for me and helped me feel good about it. And so I just thought, well, I guess it's something with animals and angels. And on a 95 degree day, I got the biggest chills in my body, just vibrating through me. And, you know, it felt good, but also startling. And I thought, yeah. well, okay, so there's something to that. And then it was just a light switch. It, it really was, I felt like an activation after that. I'm like, I have to figure out what I'm supposed to do with this. What am I supposed to do with that experience I had with the angels in college? What am I supposed to do with the connection I've always felt with animals? I still didn't know. It still took a lot of years, but I went to my journal mm. because that's where I was comfortable writing. That's where I was comfortable sharing these experiences and working through these thoughts before I started talking to other people about it. And I remember talking to my sister about it because I was trying to get her to journal more as well. And, you know, she was kind of resistant to like, you know, I don't really have time and what am I going to write about and all that. And I said, well, I have to find something I'm excited about. And I can tell you, I love talking about angels and I love 
talking to people who like talking about angels and anything spiritual really. Yeah. And, um, I said, you know what I like about this topic is you, a lot of people say, well, prove they exist that, that they want proof, but what about, are you going to prove to me that they don't exist? What about flipping it? Yeah. Can you prove to mm-hmm. me that angels don't exist? And I know that that can go down all kinds of pathways and with that conversation, but that was kind of my drive is, well, I feel and believe what I saw and experienced. So I'm going to stick with that and go from there. And then it just opened up the doorways to different teachers. I, you know, I had, didn't get a formal mentor until I'd been doing it for, you know, intentionally developing my abilities on my own for about a year. And then I had a couple of experiences that kind of scared me. It was nothing bad, but it was enough for me to go, I don't know what I'm doing (laughs) now that I'm doing this intentionally. I'm not just waiting around for things to happen. I'm doing this intentionally. I need to know a little bit more about this. And what I found is that there's a lot of opinions on what things are called. There's a lot of different terminology. There's a lot of ways to connect and you'll get very opinionated people saying, well, that's not an angel or that's not this and don't do it that way. But the one common theme I saw amongst all of it, and even with formal religions was the concept of protection Mm. and protecting your energy and setting boundaries. And that was in everything, even in religion, because you have your prayers of protection and you have the different things that you do to protect your energy. And that's when I really started getting fascinated with the way that, um, several of the major religions had certain things in common. I started learning a little bit about integral theory. I certainly don't know a lot about that, but I love the concept of, are you familiar with integral theory? I am a little bit. You can explain further for anyone who might be listening who might not know. From what I understand is it's the, I'm not, no, not probably the best person to be explaining what it is, but it identified the similarities amongst the five major religions. And I believe the founder of it is Ken Wilber. I'm right. If I okay. have the name right. Mm-hmm. I need to probably check mm-hmm. that, but, um, I've listened to podcasts on him, but he talks about this concept that, you know, there's all these similarities amongst the major five religions. He did in-depth studies of all of them. And what happened was over time as humans evolved, the religions didn't. So kind of like a software program, mm-hmm. we didn't get Christianity 2.0, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we just stayed the religion stayed the same as humans evolved and they evolved in their spiritual connection. And that really caught my attention because I had friends who had other faiths, Judaism and Hinduism and, and other types of religions that I had studied just in school that I was asked to do reports on. And, you know, I was always taken back to a point in time, that same trip I went on as a 13 year old, where I was told that all these um, Jehovah witnesses that were worshiping one night as we drove past them is a building packed of 250 people um, that they were all going straight to hell. That's what I was told by our leader. And the, again, visceral reaction in my body that (laughs) no, they're not, (laughs) that is incorrect. Um, It just was such a knowing And so when I discovered 
a little bit about integral theory and again, not claiming to know much about it. I know there's some very, you know, enthusiastic people about this that can tell you everything, all the details, but I like the idea that if we take a look at all the things that are in common and how they just need to be upgraded with the way that we have grown as a species Mm -hmm. and grown to connect, because while we've also had this conditioning, we've also had more communication and more access to each other than we did in ancient times when it was, you know, you had to kind of believe what the religious leaders were saying because you didn't have the access of Googling it on the internet. Right. <laughs> yeah. And, and also when you look at everything like that in a big picture way, you can see that the core of everything is essentially the same. Yes. And in, in that also humans have that es- essentially the same need for that connection. I think we're born seeking that connection because we have that illusion of separation. And then with the conditioning that we're given that, yes, you are separate and you have to go do all these things in order to connect with God or in order to be important or special. And so it's really, as we are to your entire point conditioned that we are separate and then Some people don't know how to go find it again, find the connection again. Right. And I think that the separation with authenticity, because we want to be authentic to ourselves and be unique and individual. But I feel like in order to be effectively authentic, we have to be connected to everything. So when we're able to be our authentic selves, then we can find ways to bring in the people who feel separated in a way that they're able to understand. So we might be able to communicate in a way that is authentic to ourselves that might be slightly different to someone else, but something that they need to hear. And I don't know if I'm making any sense right now. <laughs> I, You are, you are. I, I'm right on the same page with you because I feel yeah. like people receive things differently based on their experiences and their perceptions. And that's why we need people out there having these conversations like you're having with your podcast, because somebody may not resonate at all with anything I'm saying about angels or animals, but they might totally resonate with some other piece of artwork that explains the same type of connection. And it's just Mm -hmm. different terminology. And, you know, I think that's kind of the main thing is we not only have this illusion of separation, but we have this illusion, we're under this illusion that we have control. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so when you start to feel to, wait, what do you mean? We're all one in the same, or we're all, there's no boundaries there. And it's scary. It's like, I have this control over what I'm doing and I may not love it. It may not be very comfortable, you know, especially when you see people staying in relationships or jobs that they're really not that happy in. Um, they they have this illusion that they're in control of their daily life. So they'll put up with being uncomfortable. They'll put up with the negative energy because, well, at least I know what I'm getting. <laughs> and if I start to, to loosen those boundaries and stop seeing myself as separate from my neighbor, that's scary. I don't know that I really want to know my neighbor that much, you know? Yeah, I think that's the confusing thing is that you have to have boundaries in order to feel connected. You have to. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
but I think that speaks to what you're saying about your authenticity, because nice. it's, you know, your authentic voice is kind of your boundary. Cause that's where you're going, wait, where am I still me? And where am I part of the collective and, um, what I came here to do? Uh, I, I love that you just tied all that because <laughs> it is, it's so true. Um, and I like, I love that there's so much happening in the world right now that is bringing this conversation into everything, you know, even your corporate world, I'm meeting more and more people who are saying, you know, everything ties back to people wanting to understand their spirituality more. So it may not be something that's being talked about in a big convention center, but it is something that people are talking about behind the scenes and the voice is getting louder. Yeah. It's trickling in. Yeah. Yeah. And having a ripple effect for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I, you know, I heard somebody, I was asked to speak at, um, the Texas pet sitter convention coming up and, um, I was trying to kind of figure out how I was going to bring my topic in about using your intuitive abilities and and working with the animals. And, you know, the, one of the ladies that runs it, she said, well, we're just tired of hearing all the things about the best way to hire your employees or the best retirement options. We want something more. (laughs) We want something. (laughs) And I thought that's kind of what I'm hearing from everybody, no matter what industry they're in. Um, and especially after the pandemic and the shutdown and people having more time for reflection Mm -hmm. and and space that they're starting to realize, um, wait, this missing thing that I was ignoring, I knew it was missing, but I was able to just stay really busy and (laughs) ignore it. Yeah. When you do a a presentation on angels for a corporation and a skyscraper, then we're going to really have made it. I think. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Now we know. (laughs) one day yeah so. <laughs> so so taking your experience with angels and your experience with your grandmother where did that lead you next it 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 was really a need to teach others that they can do this themselves that they can have these experiences that it's not an arm's length experience because I think that was my thing. I was lucky enough to have good experiences with formal religion growing up. I know so many people who didn't. Um, and so there were things about the church services that I loved and I did feel really connected and amazing. Um, and the beauty of some of the ceremony and things like that. I, I, I enjoyed that. And I'm grateful that I had those experiences, but there still was this arm's length perception And it really wasn't until I had that experience with the angels in college that I realized like, it's right here. My, everything is right here. I'm not praying to God over there. And then he's sending his angels. It's all right here within me Mm -hmm. because I felt it and saw it, but I didn't have terminology for it. Only what I had learned in a Christian faith. And, um, and then the idea that you go to the church and you pray there. Or, you know, all the things that needed to happen before you actually had Jesus in your heart, the the way we were taught, you know, external things that the external distracts you from looking internal. So, right. Yeah. And it's almost like you're giving your power away when you do that. And, and really a lot of this is us realizing we have the power, you know, empowering ourselves when we connect with our authenticity, 
um, is empowering ourselves. And I do feel like I see a lot of people give their power away because of conditioning. And so to your question, to answer your question, it was this need to show others, you know, I didn't really know how to do it either, but here's how I did it. And you might do it differently than me, but know that you can. And so really wanting to empower others that through whatever modality they want to choose, whether it's being a yoga instructor, yoga instructor, a singer, an actor, um, you know, you're a construction worker who builds beautiful things, a fireman who's out there, you know, uh, helping others and helping the community, all these ways that we can share something about ourselves, share what's special is helping you connect. And so I think, um, also wanting to kind of take away some of that conditioning. We've heard that, okay, well, if you are going to be a spiritual leader, don't you need to go meditate for three years in a monastery? (laughs) Isn't that what you're supposed to do? (laughs) Or or do you have to master levitation before you can actually call yourself spiritual? You know, what? no matter how far out there you want to go with it, um, you know, knowing that you can actually do it in the little things, um, you know, I know you've been to my monthly coffees and, um, one of our regulars that comes, she's hasn't been able to go as much because she has a grandbaby and mm-hmm. she's wanting to be with her grandbaby a lot. And she said, you know, I, I just haven't been able to do my journaling and I haven't been able to do my other stuff because I'm so busy. And I was like, well, what's wrong with it? I mean, I feel like that's spiritual in itself. That's that spiritual connection. Being a grandmother, it can be its own version of that. And I mean, I saw that firsthand with just being in the presence of my grandmother made me feel good. And I noticed the difference of being with my grandma versus being with the kid down the street, you know, who was playing video games or something, you know, there's a different (laughs) feeling that I was experiencing, Mm -hmm. um, even if I didn't verbalize it. So I guess I really love the idea of bringing it into all your tasks that you're doing. And so I guess that's full circle to the mundane side of things, but, um, I still have to do accounting work. I still have to do tax returns and bookkeeping, (laughs) and I don't always get super excited about it, but, I also kind of understand, um, the why behind that in a, in a different sense as well. And that's even its own boundary of, um, you know, we have to have things organized in order for me to have this space and time for me to do my spiritual work. So trying to just kind of approach things with that different perspective, like, Oh, I just can't wait to get all this stuff done so that I can finally go meditate. (laughs) You know, I can finally go practice astral travel now, you know, it's like, well, at some point you do have to go to the grocery store. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I did, you know, I think that was another thing when I was getting started seeking teachers, seeking workshops, um, I did kind of have that left brain approach a little bit uh, as an accountant. It's like, well, you know, I don't have time to go do a three hour yoga workshop right now. I need to do this and this and this. And, and how do they get anything done <laughs> in having to, to kind of figure out my own personal balance with 
other things in my life and still bringing the spiritual side in. And I think that's an ever evolving thing, right? I mean, it's always changing. Well, I feel like you have to have the mundane in your life in order to have the contrast also to know what you really like, because if you don't have that, then it's all just going to be, I don't know. Just, just a floating big, around. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's exactly what my grandma was trying to say to me when she would say, you know, isn't it great that we're all so different? Uh, because how do you know what you don't want to be right? Unless you see somebody behaving in a certain way that just doesn't feel good, or they are, you know, they have this huge passion for let's say cars. And my passion is horses. And we need somebody who's passionate about cars. We need that so that you know, that can grow. <laughs> yeah. And I'm glad I don't have to do that because I want to be over riding my horse. So, um, yeah, I agree with you on that. I think you're right. It, it, it creates that juxtaposition with the bigger things so that we appreciate it more. And, and I've heard teachers talk about that. I think you have as well, that a lot of the reasons that we choose to incarnate and have this human experience is because of the contrast. It's so much more vivid here in this physical reality when we're in a physical body. Right. Yeah. Hmm. So would you be interested in sharing your process for connecting with the angels or yeah, what would you like to share about that? I don't want to force you to share anything that you're not comfortable with. Oh no. Well, you know, for me, I would say Well, I'd like to start off by saying, I really feel like it's different for everybody. So that's another thing that I'm passionate about teaching is everybody identifying their own way that they get messages. Cause back to the artist being just as much, you know, in their spiritual space as the person with the hammer down the road bill that is different, but you're, we're still doing the same thing. Um, for me, it, you know, I've, I've always been very visual. So I would say that I tend to see things in with the, if you're familiar with the Claire's, you know, there's different ways we we can feel things, see things, hear things, um, just have a knowing again, mm-hmm. which is clear cognizance. Um, and it took me kind of having to practice with different things to figure out where I get things more. I would say growing up, it was more of a feeling. Mm-hmm. that I would get when I was connecting or, or feeling a presence with me. And then I think when I really started focusing on my journaling and I took a painting class and like making things more visual on the outside, it started helping with my visions on the inside. So I start off always by saying a prayer protection, which I think is, again, one of those things that's common with all the different modalities, whatever you call it. Um, you know, I have a friend that the way she works, she uses totally different tom- terminology than me. So she calls it shielding or, you know, um, mm-hmm. an energetic yeah. pyramid or whatever. And so I start with the prayer of protection and in my energetic space, I'm saying, I only want to connect with high vibrational beings and really set that boundary that, you know, I'm going to do that. And then if I'm asking for messages on behalf of someone else, then I'll bring that person into my space with their permission. So I I'm pretty, um, 
pretty regimented about the way I do that just because of the way I was trained. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel like it's the more ethical way to do it, which yeah. is that I would never just ask for an angel message on your behalf without you saying to me, Hey, Devin, can we do this? Let's, let's sit and connect. And so I like to have that intention behind it. Um, which is why I get so passionate about journaling and with the methods I teach, cause it's really about that intention behind it. Um, and so I have that intention that I'm only connecting with the highest vibrational beings. And again, if it's for, you know, messages with someone else that they're in there. And then I also ask that it, you know, we learn what's in our highest interest to know. So you're kind of leaving that open for, you know, if somebody really wants to know if they're going to have an opportunity to date that guy at work and, you know, <laughs> is he about to break up with his girlfriend? That might not be in, in your highest interest <laughs> to know. So it's not really that kind of connection for me. It's more about gentle guidance. You know, what is in your highest interest to know that you will actually have an opportunity for a new relationship at some point? Um, that's probably much more in your highest interest than knowing the gossip going on with the relationship with the guy you have the crush on. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, that's what attracted me to working with the angels as well is because it's, it's subtle guidance. Now, sometimes the guidance will be pretty strong. Um, and, and that's in your highest interest as well. Um, but again, if you don't listen to it, you're not sinning or being bad, or the angels aren't disappointed in you because you didn't listen to the guidance. <laughs> and that's another thing that I love about doing this is we leave the guilt at the door. There's the, the guilt is if there's any guilt, that's the person bringing that in. There's yeah. no finger pointing with this. Um, and so I literally just, you know, once I feel really grounded and connected and protected in the space, I ask a question and I will get again, images, symbols, feelings, um, depending on the time and the, and where we're sitting. Sometimes I do use cards. I'll pull out cards. as like a shorthand to make, to get to the point faster. Um, it just kind of depends on where we, how we're doing the communication with the angels. But for me personally, I usually just say it in my mind. I don't, yeah. um, you know, necessarily do a big production because, I rely on them a lot. Actually. I, I really do pull angel guidance into everything I do from choosing people I work with to, um, you know, do I feel like that store has what I need in it? Do I feel a pull there and, and, yeah. and listening and feeling like I feel pushed to go in there? Uh, I can't tell you how many times, um, I'm kind of a crystal geek. I love crystals <laughs> and I just, they're just fun. I always have. And I will so many times feel an urge to stop in to a, a store that I know has them and find something that is just perfect for a spot in my house, you know, yeah. or I'll just feel this, uh, need to go in there. And there's something I didn't even know. It's not, it's, it's not that I didn't know I needed it. It's just, I didn't know where I was going to find it. And I hadn't put a lot of effort into finding it. And then there it was right in front of me. So I have a lot of fun stories like that, that I keep track of in my journal, just as, as evidence of the daily help we can have through checking in with our inner voice. So, um, yeah, I, I guess I would say, I can't really give you a very specific thing other than, you know, there's so many ways to connect yeah. and it's, it starts with everyone figuring out 
where do they get their most connection? And I think a lot of people who think they can't do this kind of work, it's because they tend to be more clear cognizant. They just have a knowing and they don't identify that as, as their way of getting information. And they say, oh, I don't, I just knew, I don't know how I knew, I just knew, but that doesn't mean anything. And they're not giving it credit. So that's another reason I love journaling because I feel like you're giving yourself credit for all the ways that you're connecting to your authentic voice. Amazing. And like going back full circle, um, you are teaching, like you said that you wanted to, and you were teaching in a way that is super authentic to you. So that's. Thank you. I do feel like that. Yeah. Yeah, It's funny. I, you know, when you have that gift of hindsight, which is another thing that I feel like journaling gives you, um, I can see all the ways that I've used that need for teaching, but also the business world and the accounting side and experiencing the passion with entrepreneurs. And also, like you said, seeing the life I didn't want, I didn't want to be in a back office with no windows not seeing my family and my animals. And in that juxtaposition was very helpful to me um, in figuring out what my purpose was. And I think we're always growing with that, but um, and, and it, I think we're always evolving. And I think that's the other part is it's not a straight line to our purpose ultimately yeah. and being okay with it, not being a straight line. And then maybe even thinking we've, we've gotten there. Okay. This is it. And then allowing that to evolve and grow. Um, that's tough. That's tough for me. I I like structure. I like to know the answer. (laughs) Two plus two is always four. (laughs) Right. Oh, the the numbers. Yeah. I imagine. So numbers. Okay. So, so you have numbers with accounting. Do you experience numbers with the angels ever? Big time. Yes. That was one of my first ones that I was seeing visually is just numbers everywhere in the most ridiculous places, not just the clock, you know? And, um, and then, you know, I started tracking all the times I would see numbers and I was just using up pages and pages in a couple of days. And so then I was like, okay, now that I can, I'm, I'm pretty confident that this isn't an accident that I'm just, you know, seeing these (laughs) synchronicities and these, in these series of numbers, what do they mean? And that's where the journaling, that's how I started developing the journaling that I teach the methods is I wanted people to have a way to easily review the intuitive hits they've had, the symbols they've received so they can create their own language with Mm -hmm. their angels. And I think that's kind of the biggest thing that people don't know when they're starting off is that what a red cardinal means to me may mean something totally different to you and no one's right or wrong. Mm. You know, it, it's what eleven eleven means to you means something else. Now, I think we do have like these collective ideas of what these things mean, um, you know, and I think that can be helpful when you're getting started to kind of know, well, generally when people see 444, they're, it's a sign their angels are with them or something to that effect. Mm-hmm. If that's where you want to start, I would encourage you to do that. But I have found it really fun to kind of develop that own language with my guides and my angels. And it's almost like an inside joke. Yeah, (laughs) I was just going to say, like my experience with that, it almost becomes humorous the way that um, the synchronicities happen and the numbers repeat over and over and over again. (laughs) It is. And you know what? It's also funny 
will happen for me is when my attitude isn't the best, that's when they'll get a laugh out of me because they're, they get in front of me so much that I'm like, okay, fine. (laughs) I'm being very grumpy about this time to shift my perspective and take a deep breath, go do some breath work and get out of this mindset. So it is funny. It's almost like I say the angels are, are gentle, but it's almost like they get more, um, more in your face, the more they know that you trust the connection yeah, and, and you build a stronger bond with them. And then even in the same with guides as well, I, I have guides I work with and I feel like, you know, the more you practice with them, getting to know them the stronger, the connection and the, maybe the more opinionated it might feel sometimes, but it's information <laughs> I need to know. Right. So yeah, I love that. <laughs> so, um, if people would like to work with you, uh, or have a reading with you as they are lovely because I've had one myself. So I can oh, thank uh, you. be a testimonial a for that. Um, how can people find you and like come across your work? Sure. Well, thank you for asking. I have several ways you can reach out to me. I'm on all the regular platforms. I have a YouTube channel where I share stories about my experiences. I also have tools and tips for developing your intuition and um, even angel messages on there. Um, I'd also host a monthly coffee. It's totally free online uh, where we talk about angels. So I can answer your questions if you're trying to get started with this. And then what I'm most passionate about is teaching journaling. And so I actually, either today or tomorrow, I'm supposed to have my first advanced copy of a custom journal I've created um, that will be available uh, in March. Wow. That is going, it has the templates to help you get started with developing this language with your angels or your guides or whatever it is that you're interested in. It's more so that you can be organized in the way that you understand your abilities. And as you grow, because then when you go back and review it, it's easy to find. So if you just go to devindoer.com forward slash book, you can see about that or just devindoer.com has events I have coming up. And I encourage you to, to join the coffee if you have any interest in this, because we have a lot of people who don't feel like they have anyone to talk to about this. And that was my biggest reason for creating this is we've been doing it for over two years now. And it's been so fun to see the growth um, in everyone who, once you start working on this, you know, it just expands and expands. So, um, I'd I'd love to see you there. And I'm also on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook, (laughs) all the great places. I'll put those links into the show notes so people can click on them really easily. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, um, you know, I'm always eager to answer questions and, um, I had one more point I was going to say about the coffee and I forgot, but (laughs) (laughs) just that, you know, I'm, I'm really all about empowering others to do this on their own. That's, that's really what it is. And, um, I want people to know that they don't have to wait around to book an appointment with an Mm, intuitive to have the guidance that, that, that could really help them in the moment. And I, I remembered my other point is, um, not everyone's into angels or guides, right? They would rather study astrology or, um, mediumship or, or all kinds of other things. And, um, it, what it, so what I'm really after is that whatever it is that draws your attention, that you're giving yourself that future gift of writing it down and keeping track of it. So you can see your growth and see the way that you receive this information from your authentic voice. Oh, excellent. 
That was a yeah. great way. <laughs> great addition. <laughs> so, so to wrap up the conversation, I usually ask this question. Um, if your inner authentic voice had a billboard, what would it say to the world? I think it would say you can do this too. Hmm. And the, this part, that's such a great question. I wish I had a fancier answer <laughs> prepared, but. You don't need a fancy answer because I feel like a lot of the answers are simple or fancy in the simplicity. Oh, that's beautiful. And, and the, this part of that statement is the fact that there are so many ways to connect. And even if, let's say you have a faith you really love, you know, you, you grew up in your Christian faith, let's say, and it, it's been amazing for you and you lo love it and hold it true to your heart. That's beautiful. That's your way of connecting and that, you know, more power to you. And, and that's the beauty of us all being different in the way we connect. But, um, I think we're all special and everybody can do it. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me this week. If you're listening and you like what you hear, please consider subscribing and rating this podcast as it really helps get this podcast out to other people who might be interested in hearing it but don't know about it yet. And also, if you'd like to contact me or reach me, you can reach me at unconditioningpodcast at gmail.com or unconditioningpodcast on Instagram. Thank you so much. And until next time... Stay tuned in to you.